You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. What up, everybody? It's your boy, MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Tusei, here with another episode of the Saved and Woke podcast. Today's episode is special because I'm sharing with you all the recording of a panel that I was able to host. And I, although I do give background on what brought about this panel, I will do so for you all sake my lovely listeners i'm um, so a friend of mine risha mathis who is a christian spoken word artist and just a creative in general she reached out to me after i shared something about after i shared some of my heart regarding the the, the murder of ahmaud arbery she wanted to host a panel discussion with some other Christian creatives for us to discuss how or if and why we as Christian creatives should respond to to this particular instance of injustice, but in general, how we should lead and engage, um, basically how we should serve God and how we should serve and some, while simultaneously serving our communities. I explained that more or less. Uh, this was a great panel. The audio picks up in the middle of introductions, but I promise you all of the good stuff is here on this episode. So without further ado, enjoy. Everyone, I am um, a Connections pastor at Catch the Fire Church, but um, born and raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, lived all throughout the East Coast. Um, and I, I guess I will call myself a hip hop artist, but I, I really just think of myself honestly as um, just a spoken word artist. I try to attack my music from the perspective of a poet, of an artist, and of a storyteller. So um, what, was the, what was the last question? It was a good question. The last question was, um, why do you identify as a creator? There you go. Um, so I've always, uh, me being the only child, it was so easy to get bored. And being creative was a way to keep me from not being bored. So I've carried that from my childhood to adulthood and just always tried to beautify boredom. So, you know, if I see like a brick wall, I instantly see graffiti. If I see a blank piece of paper, I instantly see art. Um, if I see an instrumental or 10 seconds of talk free music, I'm, I'm like, oh, I can write to that instantly. So uh, the same thing for me in the gospel. Uh, I, I look at, you know, me not growing up in church. I always thought Christianity was boring. I thought it was um, way too restricting. And I broke that belief. And now that's my, honestly, one of my lifelong missions is to beautify um, the pursuit of Christ and let people know that it's, it's not as boring as you think it is. Amen. Amen. Well, Davon, excuse me. Well, we're glad to have you with us. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now we're just going to keep it moving. So, um, Aj. 
What's going on, good people, grace and peace. I am Adriana, I go by Aj. Um, I have the opportunity to serve at Vertical Church where I am one of the praise and worship leaders. Um, so it's super, super exciting, exciting stuff. Um, one of the reasons why I consider myself um, a creative in that sense with praise and worship, and I also write as well, but um, it's just an opportunity because you, praise and worship music always gives you an opportunity to be creative in what way. And one of the things, um, kind of the same thing with day as when I was younger, just looking for a way to occupy myself, but also looking for a way to communicate in a different way. Um, and music has always been one of those ways in which I can fully express how I feel. You know exactly what I mean in my emotion based on when, I, when I'm able to sing or exhort or whatever the case may be. So that's why I would consider myself a creative and super excited to be here, excited about the discussion. Yes, and we're excited to have you um, next, uh, Pastor Kirby. So who you are, your craft, and if you are a creative, why you think you are. Uh, oh, there we go. Can, can you hear me now? Okay, cool. Um, what's going on, everybody? My name is Kirby Anthony. Uh, I am pastor of Queen City Discipleship here in the beautiful city of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, born and raised in New York. Uh, was a military. I, I went into the military and lived in Virginia for many, many years uh, and transferred to uh, Charlotte about 10 years ago. I am a writer uh, and a spoken word artist. Uh, many years ago, I used to do hip hop, gave my life to Christ, and then started doing Christian hip hop. Um, somewhere along the line, as I got older um, and couldn't jump around on stage anymore, um, I started doing poetry. Um, and God began to show me, uh, I made you a writer, you know, um, I've, I've, I've given you the gift to communicate thought uh, through writing. Um, and so I've been doing it now for many, many years. And uh, I think you, you said, why are we, why do we think that we are cre of, or creative? That was the question, correct? Yes. Yeah, so why do you identify as a creative? Oh, you kind sure. of already shared that with your background. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so there you have it. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Okay. Um, hold up. Uh, Emmanuel, you can go ahead and unmute yourself and yeah, share with us your craft and why you identify as a creative. Um, hold on, I'm sorry, guys. Hey guys. Um, my name is Emmanuel Williams, uh, affectionately known as Manny. Uh, sometimes and so um, I live in the city of Chicago uh, from Chicago born and raised although I lived other places um, and I attend Chicago West Bible Church here on the west side um, in the neighborhood of Austin and so uh, for me um, photography wasn't something that I grew up doing uh, but it was uh, as many people have stated it was a form of self-expression for me um, I I had always considered myself more creative than anything. I wasn't the best student in school growing up. Um, I did the best I could, but I always found myself either at talent shows or uh, doing, doing plays, performing plays, or uh, doing music especially. I'm a pastor's kid, so that was my first love, playing the drums and um, the keyboard and all that kind of stuff. And still to this day, I uh, still do that uh, for church. Uh, particularly now, I've been honing my craft as a photographer. 
uh, and as a creative director for different projects, personal projects, or even uh, other people's projects, um, and giving creative thought and direction uh, wherever it is needed. Uh, but particularly, my specialty is uh, photography, uh, and I'm able to uh, build relationships with people that I found um, over the past couple years, uh, build relationships and kind of uh, project them through imagery uh, in uh, as humans, as uh, folks, and particularly black folks created in the image of God. So if you go to my Instagram, most of the images and probably all of the images that I have are black folks. You know what I'm saying? And uh, that's very intentional uh, so that I could... Um, you know, project the dignity uh, and the grace of, um, of 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 black folks uh, in my in my images, and so uh, that's why I do that. And so, thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for all y'all, and thank you for for going into as much detail as you shared. Uh, the next question I want to ask, uh, I want to post to you all, and this time I'm just going to let you all respond as you feel led. So you shared. You shared your art, and everyone on this panel is a is a believer. How has, or could you explain, how have um, you combined your art and your belief in Christ? Has it always been that way? Did you was it a was it a natural process? Did your gift come out of like just straight from the 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 fire, the wind of the Holy Ghost, or was it sort of a, a process that you kind of had to go through before, before that happened? And whoever, yeah, whenever you uh, feel led to answer, you can just go ahead and unmute yourself and let us know. Um, I think for me, music has always been my first love. So as a kid, I mean, my mom was into music a lot. She couldn't sing a lick, but she was into music as well. And so she introduced me to everything. Um, and so for me, music was always a thing for me. Um, it really wasn't until I had a chance to, I mean, my first solo, that's church all day long. So I had an opportunity to dabble, you know, in that way. So I didn't start out. Well, I guess I did, in, in a sense, started out with music in church. I also do poetry. My poetry did not start out with the Lord, but it saved me, praise God. Um, and that's just, again, just a way for me to express myself when I was younger, because I, I felt like people didn't hear me. So one one of the ways, you know, I kind of got that off of me was through writing. Um, once I got saved, and well, before I jump into that, one of the things I did with music as a young child, I love to write songs. You couldn't tell me I was not about to be the next Missy Elliott writing everybody's hits. Um, but one of the things whenever I got into poetry, I really got more into poetry once I got saved. I, I mean, I still did music, but poetry really took over my life once I got saved. And I wanted to communicate, especially to people my age who were hip to spoken word poetry. It was a way for me to kind of communicate like, hey, I got saved and the Lord changed my life. And let me tell you how. But I knew because it's my generation, I needed to do it in a creative way. So in music, it was always church. Poetry, it wasn't. But once I got saved, the Lord did a new thing in that. And so it's pretty much how my crafts came and emerged with my faith. That's what's up. Uh, for me, I found that well before knowing um, Jesus, I just really embraced transparency. Like, you know, in my music and in, in my athletics, um, being coachable, 
uh, all of those things for me was um, a lifestyle anyway. So me being transparent and me not even knowing what confession and repentance was, like I was all, I was kind of like, you know, like Eminem when he exposed himself, when he was like, yeah, I am white and, you know, I do live in a trailer park. And so the dude ain't had nothing to say, like to come back at him. Um, I kind of always live my life in that way where I'm just like, hey, here I am. Here's what I believe. Here's what I do. What you going to say? Because nothing really bothers me if I already have to deal with myself. So me finding Jesus, it was almost like, oh, wow. Like, you know, the, the, the genesis of his ministry is confession and repentance and moving forward. So for me to be able to combine my lifestyle, my art with my faith, it it was it was like a no brainer to know that I'm messed up, that I'm broken, and, and that there's room to get better. So I lived my life like that well before I knew Christ. Um, but once I found Christ, you know, all the other foolishness that came with that condemnation and shame and anger and ang all of that stuff, uh, I was able to navigate a lot better. That's what's up. I know a lot of people, especially when we're talking about issues that like the ones that we're going to get into later on or really soon in this panel, it's, there's like a, a dichotomy that they struggle with. It's like, well, I have my art, but my art really isn't necessarily uh, a gospel a gospel gift. It's not really a, a photography isn't the gift of the spirit or rapping isn't the gift of the spirit, you know? Um, so I think it's, I, I always admire when people have that level of spiritual maturity. And I do think it takes spiritual maturity to recognize that, that all good things come from the father. This is definitely good. And I'm going to allow him to use me in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, pastor Kirby or Emmanuel, whoever wants to go next, how did you bring your artistic gift um, or merge it with your gospel work? Um, I'll go. Uh, so for me, uh, it was really just a, a unknown interest. I, I'm just very curious um, about the world. Um, I grew up so, and it comes a little bit out of my, my background, I think. Um, you know, I grew up in Chicago, but then I left Chicago when I was adopted. And I lived around kind of in one sense around the world. I lived in Germany. Uh, Alabama, then moved back when I joined the military. So I kind of my world was kind of like a mixing, a, a mixed bag of experiences. Um, and that, that kind of created a lot of interest, you know, for me in a lot of ways. Um, when I did met different people that kind of sparked interest, I met a guy one time when I was in 15 and he rapped and I was like, I can do that. You know what I mean? And so it was like, yo, if I if I see somebody can do something and I'm interested enough to do it, um, I will put like I will I will find out how to do that. And so uh, and that's kind of the way it happened. I was on Instagram and this is when Instagram first started. Um, and I was just looking through pictures. I was, you know, Instagram's pictures. And then I started seeing people with these well crafted pictures and their whole feed was like beautiful. And I was like, I want to do that. Um, and so I just did it. It wasn't really anything particularly spiritual, uh, but then it kind of, it did develop into that in one sense um, where the, the motivation to, to depict people um, and particularly again, black folks um, 
like beautifully was something I wanted to do. Um, I mean, I used to, and, and kind of, as I got into it, I, I, I go to the art museums all the time. I'm like, yo, like these folks kind of got, they got portraits and these portraits have stayed over years. Why can I do that for our people to have these kind of sort of dignified pictures and portraits uh, that people can keep for the rest of their lives and um, they tell their story. So again, it wasn't anything particularly spiritual necessarily, but I believe that God can use it in a way to show the dignity uh, of people. And so, um, yeah, so I just, uh, from there, I perfected it. And I, do, I, I obviously believe that uh, it came from the Lord uh, to do that. And I just kind of got better at it. And so that was a confirmation for me. Um, like, yo, like, I'm good at this, you know, no credit to me, but I, you know, I'm interested enough to get better. And uh, that's kind of what I did, you know, uh, and just got better. So. Amen. That kind of reminds me of, I don't, I don't remember the man's name because it's one of those, you know, one of those lovely, one of those lovely biblical names that you can never pronounce. But um, right. when God was giving, uh, God was giving Moses the directions on how to build the tabernacle. And he said, he, he named a specific person who he had gifted to build it and to craft it. And when you said no one ever told you nothing about it, he didn't, it, the Bible didn't say that God told him that he was crafted to do it. He didn't say that he sent an angel or he sent to Mary. He didn't send a messenger or nothing like that. There was no talking donkeys that said, Hey bro, why don't you come and uh, cast this iron? You know, it, but it said he was gifted with it. And so I think there's a lot of, I think now that I have come into, I guess, more maturity, more like studying on my own, I'm seeing more parallels instead of a lot uh, that are more inclusive than like the, the rigid Christianity that I was, that I was brought up in. And I know a lot of other people were as well. All right. Um, Pastor Kirby, let us know your response to how you combine your creativity with, with your kingdom work. Uh, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, um, my story parallels a lot with Emmanuel. Um, I was I was not raised in the church, um, and at a very early age, I began rapping. Uh, my older brother was a rapper, and we I, I can remember we used to sit down at the living room table, and he he just taught me how to you know start putting words together. And um, as I got older, I just I got better at it, um, and when I gave my life to the Lord uh, at the age of 18, um, I, I threw away all of my hip hop music, you know, and like I was, a, you know, I grew up in New York. That's the Mecca of hip hop. I just had everything. I wanted to be a rapper, recording demos, going to record companies in the seventh and eighth grade. Just that was my, my, my hope. I want to be a rapper. And I remember uh, when I gave my life to the Lord um, and, and, and I really had, um, just uh it, it it was so it, it was a beautiful time i mean god jesus the holy spirit just really impacted my heart i wanted to turn and leave and just stop everything i was doing um i was a street kid got into a lot of trouble got kicked out of school the whole typical inner city kid not knowing his father thing father not in the household etc and when I gave my life to Jesus <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit began to really pull my heart immediately, I said, that's it. I just, I don't want to do anything else with nothing. Just, you know, drugs, guns, this, that, 
blah, 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 whatever. And so I stopped all, all rap. I was like, that's it, you know? And I remember what was so weird was that, you know, I was 18 years old trying to listen to like old school gospel music, you know, and, and, and I couldn't really get into it, but I thought, well, this is what I have to do to be saved now. That's what I was thinking. You know, I've got to, I have to wear church socks and slippery socks in the house and, and slacks and different things like that. So I can remember, um, I got, uh, I graduated high school by the grace of God. I got, I got back in school. I was able to graduate. And I immediately went into the uh, military. Uh, I remember the pastor of the church said, I really think you should get out of here and go into the military. I remember going into the military and um, I had met a couple of dudes uh, from Chicago and um, these, these cats weren't saved. And I remember we were talking about music and I had a, a very you know healthy understanding of hip hop and all these songs. So I told him, I said, yeah, man, I used to, I used to rap. And, and, and they was like, yeah, do something. So I just spit like a little freestyle and they were like amazed, like, oh my God, yo, 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 you rap. You rap. I was like, nah, man, I'm a Christian. I don't do that. I said, I used to do that, but that's, that's the devil's music. <laughs> like, that's where my mind was at. This is the devil's music, but you know, I, I know a little something. And just over the years, I, I began to get discipled. Um, God brought some awesome uh, men in my life to you know, disciple me, speak into my life, help me to grow. And I remember this one brother just sharing with me, like, listen, man, that's a gift. Like God gave you that to be able to connect with those that are not in the kingdom. And once I was able to make that connection in my mind, then I was like, oh, wow, man, that's, that's right. Like I never thought of it like that. So then, um, you know, I started rapping, uh, Christian hip hop, uh, met some other brothers and, and then it just began to grow. And one of the things that I, 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 I noticed immediately was because I was not raised in church, um, my lyrics, my lyrics weren't filled with, you know, uh, Christianese, you know, they, they were filled with what, what we would call testimony music, you know, um, being on the block, you know, having guns drawn on you, which was something that happened, you know, had a younger brother that was murdered in the streets, you know, like I would talk about this type of stuff and, but Jesus saved me. God turned my heart around. You know what I'm saying? He delivered me from the malt liquor. He delivered me from this. He delivered me from that. So when I would say that stuff, these these guys would be like, yo, like, wow, man. Like, you know, you, you, you're really talking our language, but it wasn't cussing or degrading women or, you know, talking about this or that or violence. As I really began to embrace that, I said, you know what? This is a gift. Like, this is something that God has given to me and it's, it's a mission field almost, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that old saying, you know, when God gives you something, it's, your, it's his gift to you, but how you use it is your gift back to him. And just over the years, man, just really understanding that really helped me to realize like, you know, this is something that it's a gift that God has given me. And if I water it and cultivate it and nurture it and just be faithful, then, um, you know, it's, you know, something, something great could happen. You know, obviously souls getting saved and discipled and people maturing. Um, but other things could happen as well. That's what's up. I mean, I would say you dropped a bar right there. Um, that was, that was, that was awesome. Um, one thing I'm going to, we're going to transition a little bit. So this next question that I, I that I ask, I'm going to, I'm going to give my answer first because I want to model the openness that and transparency that I know, Risha would like to see from everyone. So, uh, but before, before I do that, I'm going to give some background 
on how this whole panel came about. So Risha contacted me shortly after, shortly after um, the, the killing of Ahmaud Arbery made uh, national, made national news. And I believe I shared, I shared a post on Facebook about how I was feeling. Um, and she, uh, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't raw because I don't believe, especially not believers that you should come to social media raw. Um, I needed to let the, the Lord deal with me first. I had to, you know, uh, cast off some of the, some of the emotional baggage that I was feeling, but I was still open and honest about how I felt, um, in regards to it. And I'll just, so the, this, this panel came in in response to that. Like how, how do we as, as Christian creatives, how do we respond and how do we act in response to this? Um, but then as we were planning it, George Floyd was murdered as well. And so it was like, as I was, and as I'm sure we all were trying to collectively and also privately just heal from it, we get sh- shook from it again. And how it makes me feel, this is my question, is how it, how, how it affected you initially and where you are now. So initially, when I first heard about, uh, when I first heard about Mod, and this is, this, this is how I feel about, <clears throat> Oh, and the police raid. Thank you. The police raid on, on Breonna Taylor. So I heard about the police raid on Breonna Taylor's home. Um, then I heard about Ahmad, reacted to it. Risha contacted me. And then in the planning of this, George Floyd was, was murdered. Thank you, uh, Davon, for reminding me of that. And I used to be shocked about this. Trayvon Martin was the first uh, murder like this that I had heard of. I was shocked when it happened. I was shocked when, when George Zimmerman was acquitted. I was shocked when I heard about Tamir Rice. And I was shocked and I was shocked and I was shocked um, over the years. I don't know. I don't remember when it was. I want to say maybe like after the riots in Charlotte. I think that was the popular time where I became numb. So I became emotionally numb. But in a, I was emotionally numb, but not intellectually numb. I was very aware of what's going on, very aware of my commitment. I was very aware of the congruency of social justice and the gospel. And I, I really don't even like talking about them as two separate things anymore because justice comes with, <clears throat> with the kingdom. Um, but I was very angry. I wanted to, I wanted to lean into my base reactions. Um, I wanted to react the way I saw some of my unsafe friends and some of my safe friends reacting on, on, on Facebook. I wanted to be, I wanted to hold on to anger. Um, I did not want to forgive. I was wishing the worst on the perpetrators of each of these just horrible assaults on humanity. Um, and now though, uh, because I have, because I am a believer, I, I know that I, ha- I, I answer to Christ in the end. And I cannot say when that, when that great day comes, oh, I held on to hate because these people were hateful. Because um, and I'm, I'm reading, I just so happen to be going through Romans right now. And <clears throat> Romans 12 clearly says, the last verse says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
Um, so I am still, I'm allowing God to empower me to forgive every day because I have to do it every day. When I think about it, every time I think about it, I get mad and have to forgive all over again. That's where I am. But I'm all, but I think, I don't know what it is about now, but I am dedicated now more than ever to not just be knowledgeable, not just to be intellectually woke, but to put works to my faith and to do what I can locally to ensure that that justice um, is enacted in our society and driven by the gospel. So that's my answer. It was pretty long, but I want to just, that's the template. You don't have to, you can be as, uh, as long, well, you can be as profoundly succinct or as succinctly profound as you want to be. <clears throat> and again, as you feel led to respond. So how did these, how did these atrocities affect you initially and where, where are you now? I guess I'll go. Um, <laughs> I think like anyone, believer or not, like you, as a person of color, you are frustrated. Um, you are sad. You know, you're exhausted because it seems to be the same thing every time. And it's just kind of like, okay, Lord, <laughs> Marinetta, because this is just way too much. Like, just go ahead. Let's, let's just be done with this. Um, so, you know, I, when I first heard, anytime I, I hear the news, it always takes me to a place where it's just, it, I just feel just kind of hopeless. Um, I think I was, I shared on Facebook after the Ahmad, after he was murdered, um, just, I had a moment to reflect before going to work and I just felt so heavy because it's like, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm a black woman and I'm the wife of a black man. I have brothers, you know, um, I have uncles. And so just to sit there and think how it's just, it's just so exhausting that whenever my, my husband leaves home for work, I'm like, Lord, keep him like, don't let him fit a description. Please don't let him come across the wrong person. It's just, it's just that thing that some people will never have to, as a wife would never have to understand. And it's just, and two, you know, when they bring a child into this world, you know, whether it's a girl or a boy, it's just they will have to deal with this. And it's just sometimes it's just sad to think that, OK, I have to bring my child into this world and try to help them understand how to navigate all of this, but also help them understand that, yeah, because of this hatred, um, people may treat you this way, but you were created in the image of God. And regardless of what they say, like you are valuable, you are worthy, you have purpose. God put, he, put you here for a reason. And he loves you. Um, so yeah, like where I am now, um, I'm still frustrated. I think I'm more frustrated, especially with, because people outside of the church, I expect them to respond the way they respond. Um, people who are not people of color, who are white. Um, but I think I'm super frustrated with white evangelicals and their unwillingness <laughs> to admit to these atrocities or acknowledge like this is happening. Um, that's extremely frustrating because as a believer, regardless of color, like we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. And I don't see a lot of loving <laughs> from my neighbors. Um, so that's extremely frustrating. Um, and an interesting dynamic for me is I, I'm a part of a multi-ethnic church. So, you know, I have people that that will rock with me anytime. Like if I say we marching, they with me, you know, white, Hispanic, whatever. And so my thing where I am now is just trying to make sure I keep my heart in the right place. Um, not allowing my frustration or any type of bitterness to allow me to take that frustration out on the people I know 
would rock with me. They would be out there with me in the streets fighting um, if I ever came to them. The people who love me as their sister, regardless um, of me being a black woman, that they can acknowledge I'm a black woman and, and love me as I am and all of who I am as a black woman. Um, so yeah, like the initial response is just like everyone, frustrated, sad, disappointed, all of that. But where I am right now is just, again, making sure I keep my heart in the right place because it's not everyone. Um, I hate when people make sweeping generaliz generalizations of African-Americans and as, you know, with women. So I try not to, to do that same thing. I try to make sure I don't try to ascribe this to every person that doesn't look like me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I am right now. Thank you for keeping it real, Arch. Yeah, my story is kind of like Arch too. Um, excuse me, Kirby. Um, you know, and the second I hear it, you know, this is beyond, you know, beyond my life experience. You know, I just remember um, a being a lover of history and just going through the history books, right? And seeing people lynched and seeing like they making picnics out of this, right? And just growing up seeing like, okay, I'm kind of invaluable and I'm, um, I'm not valuable enough. And I don't see the kings and the queens and the inventors. I'm not seeing these pictures. I'm seeing this narrative early on in my childhood and my development. So you grow up and things still don't change. So the trauma that I've already experienced, the thing that I had to get over to see my worth and to see my value, but you're constantly seeing the same thing. So the night of, I, I couldn't even watch it after seeing countless videos and numerous pictures and this picture in my head, I couldn't even watch it. I haven't watched it since. I haven't watched um, the Aubrey killing because I can't and not being able to go to sleep. And I don't rock like that. Like I don't post, I'm kind of like you Juan. I don't post my feelings on social media. I like to, I'm, I'm kind of old fashioned. I like to talk to people. I like to deal with people. And I just couldn't take it no more, man. And you know, there's times now where I'm just like, I, I'm in a gambit of emotions and that's, and that's trauma. It's a gambit of emotions constantly. I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Um, um, I'm, I'm feeling like I want to do something, but then I'm kind of like, ah, well, I know people that love me and I know people that don't look like me that share with me and that got my back and that constantly tell me how much they love me. And I'm appreciative of that, but that's all part of the process too, of this, this gambit of like, man, I'm angry and I'm frustrated, but you know, like you said, in Romans 12, I have to, I have to keep my heart right. I have to, because um, I have more light than I have darkness, but I, I cannot forget and remove myself from, from the trauma. It doesn't happen to me, but it still hurts and it still bothers me. And um, I'm just appreciative of the people that I do have, because um, if not for that, you know, who knows where those emotions would take you. Thank you, Devon. I would, I would, I would say that it does happen to you, um, because there is a real psychological, emotional, and oftentimes even a physical 
reaction and physical collateral that happens on members of the community when they see someone who looks like them. Like if you, if you know someone was targeted and attacked for, uh, for belonging to the same group that you're a part of, you know that you are subject to that, that knowledge, um, that, that is a trauma that is, a that, that we all suffer ourselves. Um, so I do believe like, of course, in the way we were, we were not ourselves held under the police officer. We were not gunned down in the street or in our homes, but it is not, those are not attack. Those are not individual attacks on individuals, I would say. And so I think that, uh, and I know the reason I lift that up is just so that anybody who was struggling, feeling so strongly about it is, does not feel a conflict in and of themselves for feeling that way, because sometimes we feel guilty for feeling sad, believe it or not. Um, Risha let me know that she wanted to hop in on this question and definitely as the host, we want to provide her with this, with this opportunity to share, especially since she's the one who God gave this idea to her. So go ahead, Risha, share with us where, where you were and where you are now. So in the process of planning, I was already troubled. I think, um, the morning of or the morning after the showing of Ahmad Aubrey, I was tearful I was tearful, which has never happened to me before. I was angry, really, really angry. Anyone that knows me very well knows that when I'm mad I cry. Or angry I cry. So that was a surprise for me um to be pushed to that point because every um thing that had happened up to that point, I was frustrated. I wanted change, but it had never put me to the point of tears. And I think that was just a breaking point for me. Like, no, there has to be something that we can do other than watch this stuff and share hashtags. So as Juan and I were preparing to go live tonight, he was asking me like, how do you feel? And I was telling him like, you know, whenever we were preparing, um, I had those emotions and then whenever this stuff came up like a couple of days before we're coming live tonight, I feel like I've been hit all over again. Like I, I feel frustrated and sad. And I think now more so than ever, I'm willing to be the light that Christ has called me to be the light on the hill that cannot be hidden and make change at the same time. Like I see the importance of not just being someone that says, dang, man, that's messed up or that makes me mad, or I hate that that happened, but pushing beyond that to it really talk about and really do something other than just experience this, this bunch of emotion. So yeah, that's, that's where I am. Thank you, Risha. Um, Dr. Uh, Pastor Kirby, go ahead. Um, yes, um, man, I'm just, I am just echoing what everybody else has said. Uh, it is a, it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, but, uh, I have, to, I have to actually be leaving soon because there's another, uh, broadcast that I'm going to be on at eight o'clock. Uh, so before I leave, allow me just to encourage everybody with this, um, First and foremost, there is nothing wrong with embracing our emotions. Um, I was listening to what Day said, and he was like, I'm, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm this, I'm that. Guess what, brother? You're also human. You know, and let us not forget that Christ 
in the Garden of Gethsemane wrestled with his humanity when he said, uh, Father, if there's any other thing that, you know, any other way that this could happen, you know, it says that his, his soul, he, he wrestled with great sorrow, uh, some passages say. And so that's because Christ was 100% God, but he also was 100% human. You know, I was very angry. I continue to be angry. Sadly, I'm used to seeing this stuff growing up where I did. You know, it's Will Smith said something uh, a while ago. He said, racism isn't getting worse. It's just getting filmed. Um, and unfortunately, you know, we, we, you know, a lot of us, we come from places where sadly, the reality is a lot of police officers are crooked or they abuse their power or there's this um, disregard towards uh, people of color in the communities that they patrol. Um, and there aren't always a lot of uh, black police officers in those communities, you know, which is a whole nother conversation piece, right? We, maybe if we had more black police officers, you know, and I'm, I'm not saying if we did, this wouldn't happen. I'm just saying that, you know, certainly, um, you know, if, 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 if more of us were on the force, then potentially, you know, there certainly would be more people that understand and wouldn't maybe be so quick to respond. But it's okay, I think, to be angry, man. You know, Jesus went through a temple whooping people, you know, because they were, the people were unjustly selling goods at a rate or at a, at a rate that they weren't worth. They were getting over on people. And Jesus went through there beating them saying, you know, y'all, you know, the pastors, you, you have made my father's house a den of thieves. It's, it's a house of prayer. And so I think it's okay to know where we are, to, to look at our check engine, the check engine lights of our soul, and we have to take care of that. Um, a great Christian apologist just died last week, Ravi Zacharias. And I remember um, a saying that he, he shared years ago, it was so powerful. He said, the most important meeting or battle that you will have every day is the battle to meet with God. And he said, if you don't conquer that battle, then every other battle will rage out of control, which is to say that if we don't spend that time with God and get before the Father and just wrestle with him and deal with the tension and cry out to him and look, man, some days I am so mad, you know, because of this stuff. And then other days I'm good, you know, and, 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 and I think it's okay to be like that because it's not going to go away. You know, it's, it's, it's because men, uh, because ultimately it's a, it's a sin issue and it's a hard issue. Right. And so we'll always have to deal with it. And so there's this very, there, there's this reality that it's a struggle. Um, as a black man in this country, oh my goodness, dog it's it's crazy. I have a son that's 25 and I have a son that's 19. Um, and sometimes I just weep in prayer, man. Just like, like my sister said, you know, you're just hoping and praying that they don't get that cop that's angry or sees them as a threat or maybe that's not trained properly, you know, or whatever the case is. And so I think that we have to, there's a spiritual aspect where we're praying, we're in God's presence, where, you know, we're, we're, we're doing the things that we have to do to renew our minds, you know, and not to walk in fear. 
not to not to allow that negativity to set up shop and and guess what that's you know that's that's just a everyday you know taking care of yourself but then there's also that very practical side to it like man sometimes just put some jazz on and eat a bowl of pudding and just kind of chill out and relax take care of your soul so that you can deal with it because you know sadly and and I'm not trying to share any doom and gloom I really don't I really don't think I really don't think it's ever going to I, I mean you know certainly black people are a lot better off than they were hundreds of years ago or even just 50 years ago or whatever you know what I'm saying but sadly because the power in this country is predominantly held by a certain group and people don't like to give up power there's just a lot of ground to cover and unfortunately i think we'll see much more of this or you know whatever and so um listen man i have to actually run guys um I, I, thank you for yeah, allowing me to real be quick on. pastor kerb pastor kerb i want to let you know you've been getting a lot of amens in the chat and if you could just give this one final answer i was this is going to be the final question that i asked all the panelists but how do you stay encouraged you already gave us some insight into that and like specifically what are some scriptures or some passages or some of your key self-care uh strategies that you that you put in place to just keep going and to to keep the faith and keep fighting absolutely man um you know, one, uh, two, two passages, uh, one from the old, one from the new. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And, and some translation says he will make your path straight. And so what I try to do is trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not unto my own understanding. Because, <clears throat> you know, my wife, she's funny you know we could be in the grocery store and, and somebody approach us i know we were in the grocery store not too long ago and this guy came up to us just being friendly and he was saying something about how he was in the grocery store and something was on sale he was a he was a little older than us and he was just being friendly wanted to talk and i remember i kind of put my hand out like hold up hold up what you doing bro slow your roll don't don't walk up on us like that and i remember we were laughing about it later my wife had said why are you always so amped and why are you always so triggered and i said i'm I'm not always amped and, I'm, and I am not always triggered, but one is I take my responsibility to watch and care for you very, very seriously. And so I'm gonna look out for you. Um, but she, you know, just out, out of that conversation, I was reminded that, you know what, Kirby, sometimes, man, you need to kind of get your mind renewed. You, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12. And so I think that it's important that we trust in the Lord, renew our minds, don't lean into your own understanding. There's a certain way that we understand things. I think common sense is great in all of that, but we have to know how to see things from eternity's perspective. You know, this isn't the end of the story for us, obviously, we know. And also, um, another passage, and I actually wrote this one down, um, Revelations 21 and 4. This is actually my, my favorite passage in scripture. I have it tattooed on me. Um, God will wipe away every, Revelations 21 and 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And I try to look at that like this. One day, God is going to wipe away for those that are in, uh, 
excuse me, covenant with Jesus, he's going to wipe away the tears. But until that day, he's commissioned and deputized me to do it. And so I want to be the individual, the conduit through which God can minister to a broken world. Those are some of the things that motivate me and inspire me. And then what I said previously about being intentional about self-care, pulling back. Sometimes you have to pull back from social media. I mean, you have to pull back and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going on a social media fast or I'm not gonna go on there or whatever the case is because everybody shouldn't have a soapbox and be able to say whatever they wanna say. Um, so once again, there's the spiritual side and then I think there's the practical side. And as long as we keep ourselves in, in good, healthy community, we'll be surrounded with enough good voices to let us know where the balance is and, and how to move forward. Don't y'all run up on no New Yorkers in a grocery store. That's that's what I learned. Don't run up. My wife in the Bronx. Don't run up on New Yorkers. Absolutely. Bro, when I first moved to the South, I would be in the grocery store and people would literally stand over my shoulder and they're looking at prices. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? Back up, bro. Can I have my little my little three feet, dog? Three feet. Um, but you know what? Praise God for his spirit, man. It works on us every single day. I'm so grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit. So, Amen. We are thankful for you. You were getting a lot of amens. People said they want to hear you back. So we're going to definitely, if we have an encore, uh, I think we already know um, at least one must-have guest. Um, but thank you. Thank you so much, Pastor Curb. Um, uh, show him some love in the comments. Um, I know you have to go. Thank you for sacrificing your time for giving us your time we really really appreciate it. like you were you were ministering like I'm, I'm the host and everything but i was being ministered to so thank you thank you so much you're welcome man i i, I love to do it again god bless you guys all right peace yeah all right so uh emmanuel if you could go back if we could kind of like go back to the first question so where how did you react and where where are you now yeah, for sure. Um, thank you for asking that question uh, because it's important for me uh, how I did react um, in the past, um, recent past, when all these other um, shootings and things occurred. Um, it, I, I, I reacted not the best. Uh, my rhetoric and what I would say uh, was kind of uh, not attached uh, immediately linked to the Christian worldview uh, in one sense, because I was just kind of coming into like, you know, I, into consciousness or into wokeness or, um, and so as it's kind of the Lord matured me, um, you know, and, and just really, I mean, poured into me from all kinds of sources and resources and people who are way more, um, mature and skilled at these things, uh, I was able to learn and soak in so much. So now uh, I was able to kind of have this um, this foundation, this biblical foundation for uh, response. Um, and so, um, so when I heard of the Ahmad uh, the Arbery um, uh, shooting uh, and killing, uh, I. I just had to pull from the stuff that I knew uh, if, and, and I wanted to respond on Facebook, right? Like 
Um, I wanted to say something that was meaningful. Um, and so that's, I, I felt that's what I did. And so my response uh, on Facebook and it just in my heart, uh, having this, um, like, man, I, I desire people to know Christ, right? Like it is my desire. People come to know Jesus Christ. Um, and what I had to do in my own work was really know Jesus Christ, right? Uh, no, I had to know him for myself. I had to be in prayer. I had to be in the word. Uh, and what I found in the word was Christ was in a situation that was an, it was an oppressive situation. Right. And it's like, yo, how, what does he bring to this, his situation of oppression? Right. Like, and how unique is he? Um, and so it was, and he spoke it out in the first few verses of Mark, you know, like he told the people to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand uh, because the kingdom that they were trusting in uh, the kingdom that they were existing in wasn't the one that Christ had in mind. And the one that the Jews were trusting in wasn't the one that he had in mind. Um, and so it was totally different. And so I had to derive like my understanding of God's kingdom uh, from the word of God uh, and how different it is from the societal and social constructions. Uh, and even from my own expected notions of what what God's kingdom should look like. And so that kind of gave me a desire. I'm like, yo, like if we are Christians, right, and we want to see people come to Christ, that cannot be devoid of the Christian worldview. You know, like we're getting our sound bites and phrases from the news and all these kind of things, which are helpful. I was just telling my roommate earlier, those things are very, very helpful. Uh, but there is a way to be uh, succinct and prophetic uh and 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 grounded in a christian worldview and to speak the truth to power and so uh what i did was going went on my facebook and i blatantly called out white christians right like and and i said like yo like if you consider yourself a christian um and particularly like i live in chicago chicago is very segregated uh very segregated racially uh, I'm like, you guys have to evangelize your own people, right? Like you have to go to white folks who won't listen to us, uh, and evangelize your own people. It's like enough talking to me, you know, you have to be a prophetic witness amongst your people and you have to change your approach. You know, like people going on mission trips to Africa and going on mission trips here and there, like, no, this is the mission here. Now you see. Right. Because what is happening within the, the 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 kingdom of white supremacy is not the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Um, that thing is totally different. And so uh, that was kind of my response recently uh, to the recent events is to um, to to put in the face of uh, white Christians like the kingdom of God. Uh, to like to to and to and to really make a distinction from what they think is the kingdom of God, uh, right? Like I go to church and I go, you know, I just I, I I'm a rich white person and I just kind of give my stuff to the church's programs. It's like nah, it's like no more of that. Like we ain't playing church no more. We can't play church anymore. We can't just do things as usual because people's lives are on the line. 
and the the dominance and the power it come and the and and the killing it comes from the majority culture which is a white culture and so we have to change our our, our approach to the to the preaching of the gospel and really wake up to realize that uh, rich white folks are dead in sin too just because a person is rich and white that doesn't mean they're saved and I think we kind of have this kind of embedded notion that just white is right and it's always good um, and I had to admit I'm like yo how many how many non nonprofit organizations do we have in the white neighborhoods of Lincoln Park that's a that's a north north side neighborhood in Chicago which is majority white and how many nonprofit organizations do we have on the west side of Chicago there are a lot right more than I could count and so it seems that we kind of have this embedded notion that the black culture needs to be evangelized and to be uh to be preached the gospel to, to for the gospel to be preached to them because it's all bad there but no, the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one from the top to the bottom. And so, um, again, like my response is like for uh, in my heart, again, like as I process this whole thing is that uh, white Christians come to recognize their station in life, like the allegiances that they have to classism, the allegiances that they've had, they have to elitism the allegiance that they have to separatism uh, and all these allegiances, which they think is perhaps they would think is the kingdom of God is actually not the kingdom of God uh, and not the kingdom of our Lord in Christ. And so, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, I have been processing it so that I can speak effectively to uh, where the problem is with the best of my ability. So um, again, I was, I was, that's a kind of more high, um, answer but my feeling it was grief it's 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 always grief it's always heartache you know and i did have a moment of like man our the black predicament seems very impossible um it's like where are the, these like where are the minds of these officers who's preaching the gospel to them what churches do these men go to right like who who's raising them like who is talking to them and how many deep conversations are they having how many hard conversations are they having or is it just life as usual and, and business as usual um again because people are trapped uh in the power of, of satan uh and they need the gospel and the good news to break in on their preconceived notions uh, of life uh and come to christ uh, so that's kind of where i am um exactly applause <laughs> uh so guess earlier it seemed like as though uh emmanuel was having some like technical difficulties coming on but i'm so so glad that he worked them out because man you 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 dropped about three four words right there <laughs> Um, that was powerful. And I think one thing that you mentioned, you kind of touched, you touched on a lot. <laughs> um, books could be written. I had, to write down, I had to write down my response to all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Facts, man. And wow. one thing I think it's, Risha and I were talking about in the planning of this, like a lot of times Christians will say <clears throat> that they don't identify as any racial group. They will identify, I'm a Christian. So... Mm. I don't really identify as a race. And I think that's good because at the core of who I am, I am a believer. And mm -hmm. there are often, mm -hmm. oftentimes I will 
I will be able to identify with believers who don't look like me mm-hmm. more than people who do look like me, who are from the same place, from the same upbringing, just because I have been transformed. I'm a new creation, a new mm-hmm. creature in Christ. But I think what's important for everybody one. to believe. But I, believe, I think it's important for everybody to... Um, I think it's important that we that we be able to talk and move uh, to be able to talk about race because America, if you live in an American society, you you grew up in a racialized context, and if you cannot see how your culture is impacting your view of the gospel and your, the way you live the gospel, you need to reconcile your racial identity and your upbringing with your newness in Christ. So I get it. I get the sentiment. But I don't think, I think it's, uh, we, we, we got to be wise and we got to be sensitive and we got to be, we have to be compassionate. We have to be compassionate because I think it's such a, it is, there's no love in saying, I don't see myself as a, as any race. When somebody is hurting, when somebody's in the midst of hurting over racialized violence. Don't talk to me about how you don't see, see race. I heard uh, Jane Elliott or no, yeah, Jane Elliott, she's not a believer. Um, but she was talking about, she said, whenever somebody says they don't see color, I would say, yeah, I bet you if you could see color, you wouldn't have worn that shirt. <laughs> um, just calling out the, the ridiculous nature it is because I believe like God created us. Like, I'm not, why would I ignore God's creation? He, he created all colors. He created, and, he, and uh, our diversity was actually a response, was actually God's solution to sin. Like, and when the people were building the Tower of Babel, that was sin. God had told us to spread out. And he was saying, and they said, nah, we're going to stay together. We're going to build this tower up. We're going to reach the, we're going to reach the heavens. And then we will be like God. And God's response to humans' wickedness was diversity. He confused their tongues. He, 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 he brought in diversity. I don't remember who said that. That's not something that I, I, I want to, I can't, I will, I love to give credit where credit is due. That's not just some revelation that I was just given. Um, I, I believe it actually came from this book that I have right here, which I'm going to talk about later. Woke Church by Eric Mason, right? And he highlighted the fact that that diversity was not a punishment so much as it was God's solution to, to human rebellion. And I think that when we come, I, I had to, they're, they're like, um, just as I believe that white people need to come to grips with how their whiteness, the, the evil of their whiteness and how it contorts um, their view of the gospel. There's, there's, there's aspects of, of, of all cultures that um, everyone has to come to grips with. There's aspects of, of black, cause I'm black and Puerto Rican. There's aspects of my blackness and my Latinidad that do not jive with the gospel. And I have to share, I have to shed those aspects, but that I don't shed my race, my whole entire racial and ethnic identity. Um, and just like, you know, we were supposed to obey the law so, so far as it doesn't conflict with the gospel. I said, like, yo, be black, be who you are, be your ethnicity so long as it, so far as it doesn't um, conflict with the gospel. And when you can't see where it conflicts with the gospel, I think that's the problem that we all have with, um, with our white evangelicals or with our non-white evangelicals who subscribe to white supremacist ideology. Um, we're coming up on time now. So the last question, before I ask this question, I want to make sure our, our, our guests, if you're on Facebook right now, please ask questions because after I ask our panelists these questions, we're going to uh, check to see if you all have questions. So go ahead and send them now. Risha and my wife are going to be making sure that I ask, like I said, the juicy ones. All right. So uh, final question is, um, how do we as Christians in general and as Christian creatives create change? Um, 
how do we advance gospel-driven justice, particularly in response to events like the ones, like the killings that we just, that we referred to, um, of, of Brianna, of, of, of Brianna Taylor, George Floyd, and Ahmaud Arbery. I'm always going to say their full names. Um, but yeah, just how do we, how um, do we act as Christians in general and as Christian creatives, whoever wants to go? I'll go. Um, so creating change, uh, for me as a Christian, we have to read the whole Bible. <laughs> and I say that because scripture speaks against racism. There are so many scriptures in which we, in which Paul articulates God's purpose and goal for us to be unified as one body, one man, one, one body, one baptism, like oneness has always been the case. Um, people tend to skip over those. Um, and I just, I can't understand it. So that's the first thing is that we have to read and digest the entire Bible, not just pick and choose. Um, also, I think scripture must be the authority in our lives over our preference. If I call myself a believer, I have to submit <laughs> to what that is. If I call God or call Christ my Lord and Savior, that means he's Lord and Savior, meaning I walk in what he has taught in his example, regardless of how I feel. You know, whether you're black, whether you're white, with all this going on. Um, I think the last thing is that we must commit to living out the gospel, regardless of how uncomfortable, yeah, how uncomfortable it can be. Um, you know, being black and being a Christian is already problematic for some people. <laughs> you know, like they give you so much grief because, of course, they talk about white man's religion and all that stuff. And that's another discussion for another time. But, um, even, you know, in that sense, I must stay true to what my, my Christian convictions are. Um, so that's what I think um, in regards to how to create change. And I feel like if we read the whole Bible, digest the whole Bible, commit ourselves to that, then God can do the work to change the heart. And then if he can change the heart and we learn how to love and value people, we can learn how to love and value people then we can do a lot better, you know, with stuff happening like this, then it wouldn't be this back and forth between black, white, or whomever. Um, I think we would be more on accord when it comes to justice. Um, as a creative, I would say to be honest and transparent. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to hold back because you, you, just, you just really don't know how people are going to take it. And you want to make sure that you appease the crowd because sometimes we get caught up in the applause as opposed to using the platform to really move forward the agenda of the gospel and who God is. Um, another thing is be confrontational. And I say that and tell the stories like it's going to make some people uncomfortable. So be it. Uh, we get so caught up in our boxes and we get so comfortable that we just shy away from those hard conversations or bringing up that instance. But we have to tell the story. There's a lot of stories, again, like um, I think the pastor said that, you know, Will Smith is saying that racism isn't getting worse, it's getting filmed. We have to continue to do that. It's hard to watch. We have to continue to tell those stories. Someone's got to keep sharing that because people need to know that it needs to be in their face. Um, and with that, the third thing I would say is don't be afraid to make people uncomfortable. That's just what it is. As a believer, following in the ways of what Christ is, you know, 
has explained through scripture, it's not always comfortable, again, because it doesn't match my preference. And there's, you know, it's, it's difficult to do, but that's what I've dedicated my life to. And as a creative, we have the same responsibility. We have a responsibility to speak to life and to bring awareness. And that's going to make people uncomfortable. That's okay. That should be the case. If now, if we're making people uncomfortable, now we can ask, well, why are you uncomfortable? Now we can create conversation. So, yeah, that's why. Man, I think what I was thinking well before Ash spoke was like, pretty much spot on of what I was thinking and my response to your question, Juan. Um, so thank you for setting me up, I'd appreciate it. But I was I was really thinking how to answer the question and um, what came to be is the word of God and this walk that we have is grimy, it's dirty. And I think people people forget the stories of the Bible. And in this modern day, politically correct, wanting to look good, and you know, we put our we put our filters, social media filter on our life and our faith. We forget that we forget that the word and many characters in the Bible are full of the same things that we are. So we tend to separate who these people are, who the disciples were, who these examples were, and who we were. We have to embrace that this walk is hard. This walk is dirty. And we have to be willing, like you said, Aj, just willing to put ourselves in those positions and fight. So instantly I thought of we have to have faith, we have to have love, and we have to be ready to fight. And that's in all things. We we see in the we see in scripture what happens when people run. And what happens when people fight? We see Jesus with the tax collector. We see Jesus with the sinner. We see Jesus with the woman at the well. We see Jonah run from his mission, his ministry, his inability to tell, you know, to tell the town about themselves. So we see all of these examples throughout scripture of what happens when we run, what happens when we fight. We see David, right? We see um constant examples of um, challenging in love. And I think we, we because we want to look good, we want to feel good, and we want to be PC, uh, we, we run away from who we come to grips as who we are. And it's, we lose this gene and, you know, me not knowing Christ late, and which is why what I kind of told my story in the beginning, um, it has to continue to be in our DNA to hate, not hate, but to dislike the hypocrite, right? I don't like the hypocrite in myself first, but then I don't like the hypocrite that says they love Christ and can attest to this, right? I can't like the hypocrite, but I have to be willing to sit at the table too. You know, uh, I don't know if you're going to ask the question, Juan, but I, I try to live my life around Romans 14 when he talks about, you know, um, not being a stumbling block, right? Um, you have people that say you shouldn't eat meat. You should. And I'm meat. You have people that say you should celebrate this holiday. You shouldn't celebrate this holiday. Cool. You may not eat what I eat. You may not believe what I believe. You may think that, you know, we're making a big deal out of something that's standard protocol, but sit at the table with me. 
sit at the table with me in love and say, why are you eating that? Whether I don't eat that. Why do you celebrate that? Why are you angry over this? And that all comes with love and <clears throat> the desire to sit in an uncomfortable place and let Christ be the center and the answer of it all. Yeah, thank you, Devon. Um, go ahead, Emmanuel. So how, how do we, how do you think we should engage? Yeah, um, I agree with everything, everybody. I'm not saying anything new. And um, uh, what Brother Kirby said, Pastor Kirby was saying about, man, not, not neglecting to be with God, not neglecting to be with God. Um, what Sister I said, like consuming the word, consuming the whole Bible, right? And having a desire for the word of God uh, because it's inevitable. Like when you read and consume the word of God uh, in a real authentic way, um, in a real authentic way, you will run into these issues of just, and you won't help but to see what's going on in the world. Um, and as you're in community and I, as you have real relationships with people, but not neglecting that first thing to be with God and to experience the glory of God and the, and, and all of who he is, right? Like when we look at Christ and how he deal with people in real life, um, and just the uniqueness of his person, right? A lot of people deal with justice issues and the word of God, but he uniquely had a unique way of bringing the kingdom, right? That nobody had. And I think it was his relationship to God as the, as the, um, only begotten son of God, right? Uh, but then he was always with God. He was always in prayer so that he was able and had power. And I mean, full of the spirit to go out and face, I don't know how he would have done it, uh, to go out and face these, these monsters of men uh, that was coming against him every day, like uh, without that, that meeting with God and knowing his identity as a son. Um, and so the same thing for us, and Christ has given us that authority. Uh, I was reading and encouraged by uh, Luke chapter 10 when the 72 returned uh, from their mission trip, right? And they were rejoicing that the demons were subject to them. And, uh, and Jesus was like, you know, he kind of had to change their perspective and said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject uh, to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven, right? Um, and that's, that's okay, like to rejoice in that. But um, to not miss the point, like it's as, as we are Christians, uh, wanting to see victory and successes in this, this movement of the gospel, not neglecting the first portion that we are, our names are written and we are, we are, we're well acquainted through the blood of Jesus, uh, with the father, right. And we have a relationship with him and it's intimate. Um, and that, that, that gives you what you need to go out and, and to powerfully engage. I mean, um, you could, you can do and all this stuff in your own power and all in your own exertion. But if you don't, if you don't have the power of God and you don't know what God's goal is in the end and how he is ultimately working things out, you'll run yourself out, you know, uh, and you'll exhaust yourself. And so, um, I, I think many of you mentioned that was to, um, was to be with God. Uh, but also as a creative, um, for me, uh, somebody mentioned it already was that authenticity um, man, like letting God use our imagination to, to do all the good that we can. 
uh, one of my favorite theologians, uh, he's a new person I just followed on Twitter. He says, anything is possible after the resurrection, right? And so it's like, what good can we not do with the gifts that God has given us, right? Like, do all the good you can all at all times that you can for the glory of God. Like you can, you can do, I mean, man, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying that we're able to always use our sanctified imagination to use the gifts for the good, to allow people to see beauty through the art that we create, to allow people to hear beauty from the songs that we sing and from the songs that we rap and write. Right. We can we can do some amazing things. And Christ promised that that would be the case, uh, that we would be able to do even more than he did uh, in his life and ministry. And so, man, I'm, I'm of the belief as a creative that we can dream big uh, and we can dream far for the good of other uh, of other people. We've seen that already through history, through our our history as black folks. Um, how people dreamed uh, in the best possible ways to come up with the best good and beauty uh, to to help us imagine uh, the best good. So um, yeah, that's how I that's how I think as a creative we can, um, you know, progress. So. Yo, amen, bro. Um, we don't have any questions just yet. Um, thank you, Devon and Emmanuel, for for going ahead and sharing the scriptures that you use to to stay strong, to stay encouraged, particularly with these issues. Um, Aj, could you share as well, like what scriptures or, or even what, what talks or uh, mentors do you stand on just to, to keep going? Yeah, so for me, I think there's like three key, I mean, again, it's everywhere in scripture in which we hear about unity. Um, we read about God bringing us together as one and there. Um, well, anyway, Colossians 3.11 um, is uh, one of the things that I just recently was reading through. Um, and it basically is Paul talking to um, the saints, talking about putting on the new self. And what I found interesting with that particular verse is that part of putting on the new self was to part ways with the discriminatory and prejudiced attitudes they once held. Um, these sinful tendencies were not to be carried into their Christian faith because he points out there is no Greek, no Jew. There isn't circumcised, uncircumcised, you know, slave or free. He's essentially saying there is no distinction. There is nothing as far as what we use as labels. That's not a thing, you know, in the body of Christ. Um, James 2, 1 through 7, with James speaking against the sin of partiality or favoritism or discrimination. Um, Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, in my Bible, in ESV, it's entitled One in Christ. Uh, when you look at verses 14 through 16, the goal is the Lord bringing us again together as one man, one body. He wanted us to be unified. Um, and again, one of the things that my pastor really kind of emphasizes from the, the pulpit or the platform um, in our multi-ethnic church is that, you know, our racial unity is a convincing display of the gospel. You know, when people can see people from all different nationalities and ethnicities, you know, racial groups, whatever, when they can see us blended together, accepting each other in our differences and walking out, you know, the gospel, I mean, that testifies louder than anything. Um, so for me, those are the scriptures that I kind of keep in mind to kind of help me stay grounded to remember, even when I am upset <laughs> and I'm frustrated, those are the things I lean into to say, yeah, I understand they feel that way and I'm frustrated and I'm angry at what they're saying, but I have a responsibility to walk in oneness, to walk in peace as much as it has to do with me. 
And so I'm reminded of that, like even, even when I feel a ways about myself because of what's being said, there is no distinction in the body of Christ. You know, there's one, there's one body. And so that's, you know, those are the scriptures I lean into. And there's several more, but I lean into those. Um, Tony Evans, Oneness Embrace is another book that I have read that is, man, if y'all haven't read that book, that's, it's, it's good literature right there. Um, and of course, Woke Church, as you mentioned with Dr. E. Mace, um, yeah, those are those are the books and the scriptures that I kind of lean into to kind of give me perspective and kind of keep me grounded. Thank you so much, Ajahn. We actually did. Get, we got two questions from uh, a brother tuning in, Danny Vish. Thank you so much for asking the question. So he asked two questions because for the sake of time, I'm going to go ahead and answer one. His first question with this quote that I was going to share anyway. Uh, he says, how do I best listen and ask the best questions to sit and listen and be there for others? And I'm going to share because I'm, um, Dr. Uh, Pastor Kirby, he brought up um, the late Ravi Zacharias, who is just a he was a phenomenal apolo uh, apologist, I believe that's the term. Um, one, one of his quotes struck me. He said, "People weren't. I think this is this is kind of this is just how you should approach uh, how we all should approach uh, conversations with people who either don't agree, who are hurting, who are mad, who are angry, uh, particularly when we're talking or." about issues around the, the gospel and justice. He said, people weren't logical problems waiting to be solved. They were people who needed the person of Christ. Those who knew him well will remember him first for his kindness and gentleness and generosity of spirit. The love and kindness he had come to know in and through Jesus Christ was the same love he wanted to share with, with all he met. And I actually believe that was a quote about Ravi, but <clears throat> know that that approach that this is not we're not entering debates this is not a person that converse, the person in the conversation is not someone for you to beat in a in a, in a contest of wits um it's someone who is a it's a it's a soul hungry for christ whether they know it or not and so if we start with that with that understanding i believe that will put you off on the right on the right path. And if we could just get one person to respond to this before we close with prayer, his next question was, <clears throat> how do I ask the right questions when it's possible some around me may be suffering from hatred or discrimination? For instance, maybe someone that works for me or works with me uh, to be able to relate, listen, love, and fight for my friends and friends to be? That was a good question. I'll read it one more time. So how do I ask the right question? How do I ask right questions when it's possible some around me may be suffering from hatred or discrimination? Um, I think what you said, Juan, was, I mean, that was riveting um, that in moments like this, what we, what we need and what people who are hurting or frustrated or angry need is the person of Christ. They need love, uh, they need compassion, they, need, they don't need an answer, they just need to be heard, to be felt, to be, uh, to be human, to be looked in the eyes, you know, and I've had a circle of people that have done that for me, and I'm so, pre I mean, I, like I've said before, that helped me to just hear, you know, hey, Day, I'm sorry, or, you know, is there anything I can do? And the second part, this, the answer to the second part of the question, um, that I would say to my, you know, Christian brothers and sisters that don't look like me is don't don't be offended. Don't don't take offense. Right. Um, it's, it's get over yourself, honestly. Right. Because the second you feed into it. Right. 
Like if my, <clears throat> if I know I'm a good husband and my wife is going off about, you know, I just don't appreciate how some men treat their husbands. I'm not going to get offended. Right. Um, but what I will do is the husbands and the circle around me that I know that I need a little bit of help. I'm going to speak to them. And, you know, the same thing with me with athletics. I remember us having player only meetings, right? Coach come in, he mad, he go off on all of us. Y'all some sorry, mm -hmm. y'all sorry, we lost. You didn't pass the ball, da, 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 da. But there was one or two people that, that, you know, they were doing what they were supposed to do. They put up 30, they had 10 assists, rebounds, but they didn't go to coach and say, man, that's not me. You go with your team, you talk to your team and say, let's do better. So that's, that would be my answer is show the passion and the person of Christ to those people immediately and not be offended when somebody tells you about something as, as a whole, like me, I, I can't, I'm not going to go out and blame every policeman for what goes on, but the policemen that I do have respect and love for my host would be that they would transmit my feelings and my conversation to people that he has immediate influence over. Amen. That was real good. Another thing I would just say, the last thing I'm going to add before we close in prayer is that I believe that a lot of times we try to fix things so much um, because in one thing that's one thing about American culture that just uh, goes against the Bible, we have to realize that we can't fix everything. And in the book, the, we have a great example of how to be there for somebody in the book of Job. When Job's friends saw him and they saw his family killed, his, his, his um, possessions destroyed, he was just there desolate. His wife had even deserted him. They, they, didn't, they didn't do anything. They saw it and they lamented with him. They literally sat with him for a week, not saying anything. So we have to do what the father does when we cry, when we weep, God joins us. He is there with us. And so we can become the word made flesh in those moments and just join people in their hurt. Join people in their hurt, hurt with them. Um, with that said, we're coming up. We're coming up on time. Thank you all so, so much. Thank you all of our guests for joining in, for listening. <clears throat> Thank you for our, thank you to our panelists. Thank you to Risha for, um, <clears throat> for organizing this. Yes. Applause to Risha. And thanks again to the, the, the sponsors of Save the Milk podcast and the audience of one podcast. Now I'm going to turn it over to, uh, and thank you to, thank you to everybody on Facebook for joining in. Like it, it, you added just knowing that you were there saying, amen, pumping us up, knowing that it's, it's good to know that our, our, our hearts and everything that's coming from, that we're pouring out is not falling on, on, on deaf ears. Um, so now I'm just going to turn it over to, to Risha to close us out with prayer. I want to echo Juan and tell everyone thank you. Thank you to the panelists. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you for the viewers. Just thank you. Um, I'm not even going to do a lot of talking. I just appreciate everyone for coming together and just being able to have an open discussion about how we can move forward and be effective. Um, I'm going to close out with prayer. And if y'all have any additional, um, you know, questions, then feel free to DM and I'll get them or inbox and I'll get them to the appropriate people. So father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that 
for your love and kindness, for your tender mercies. We thank you, God, because you know our feelings, you identify with our feelings, and they matter to you because what's important to us is important to you. So I just ask God that you will bless every panelist uh, for their participation, the moderator, the sponsors, in Jesus' name. Thank you for every viewer. God, I ask that you would just comfort that you'll give revelation and insight, that you'll give wisdom as we navigate these systems, as we navigate these emotions, as we seek to please you um, above all else, that we'll do so. And that we'll remember, Father, that your will is what comes first. And as we seek to use the gifts that you've given us, God, that we will do so in excellence and we will do so in ways that please you. And as people may go back and watch this, God, I just pray that you'll give them revelation and insight and that souls will be saved, that hearts will be changed by your word that has gone forth tonight in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, that's that's it. Thank you. all I love y'all. Grace and peace. Until next time. We out.